We have a special lady here to share some pretty amazing stuff, so I just want to introduce Trisha. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Yeah, hell lost another one. I am free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. By the blood of Jesus, we are set free. I have been to AA, NA. I used to lead Celebrate Recovery about 10, 12 years ago, inpatient programs and various things. And I am here to testify that the way out, my testimony, is Jesus Christ. <laughs> He says in John uh, 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can try all of these higher powers. We can try all of this self-will and self-this and let me do it in me. And we will only end up trusting in ourself and broken in the same place. We might do it for a bit, but eventually we're going to run out of steam. It's clinging to him. I love this verse in the song when it said, when I, give, when I gave you what I can't keep, when I give you what I can't keep to take hold of you. Guys, we can't hold on to the addictions, to the hurts, the habits, the hangups, whatever it may be. We cannot hold on to those things and hold on to him. When we give him those things, we can take hold of him and we can be set free. 14 years ago, I saw my very first positive pregnancy test with five children currently with my husband and I and three heavenly children. I've seen a lot of positive pregnancy tests. This one was a little different. You see, at that time, I was lost in, in drug and alcohol addiction. I was at my rock bottom. I was in prostitution. I had sold myself to that man. Or shall I say, he knew how to manipulate the situation to get me to consent. Had I not consented, he would have taken what he wanted. He was stronger than me, bigger than me, and had a desire that was beyond anything that I could overcome. That seed was used to change my life. At 25 years old, estranged from my family, a bartender, uh, in financial ruin, 70-plus partners, not 100% certain of paternity at the time of the pregnancy test. I laid my back against the wall. I knew that I was pregnant that night. I was wasted, had been bartending. The next morning, I woke up, rolled over, smoked the weed pipe, that was my drug of choice. Weed, alcohol, there was cocaine, there was crack, there was ecstasy, there were pills, there were all of these things, but I had to have weed and alcohol every day to function. And some people might say, oh, well, that's not very hard. It doesn't matter what it is. If we cannot cope without it, it is an addiction. It could be something like 
food. It could be pornography. It could be sex. It could be heroin. It could be crack. It could be any of these things. If we are using something to numb in an attempt to escape reality, we are in a place where we cannot get out on our own. In Psalm 40, 12, it says, There are more troubles all around me than I can count. My sins have caught up with me, and I can't see any longer. My sins are more than the hairs of my head. I have lost all hope. That's where I was 14 years ago. I had been for about two years. I mean, it was just like I hated the monster that I was. I hated the person that I was. In the midst of cocaine binges, I would read this chicken soup for the soul Bible. I bought this Bible because I was dating a professional football player. Well, I wasn't really dating him, but I wanted to. And I thought he had told me that, that he had read the Bible. And I thought, oh, if I read the Bible, then maybe he'll be in a relationship with me and not just use me. So I went to Barnes and Noble and got chicken soup for the soul Bible. And I started reading it in the midst of cocaine binges. I didn't know that those words on those pages were actually alive. The Holy Spirit dwells in those words. So as I read, I started in Genesis, and I would just read through it, cracked out. And I didn't even remember that I had done that until it was probably six months into recovery. I look over at, uh, at a stoplight and a guy holding the steering wheel, and he has tattooed on his forearm, PS6, 1 through 8. And I was like, that's a scripture. Now, I remembered reading the Bible. I didn't really re think I really, you know, recollected what I, I comprehended what I read. Well, I went back to that psalm. How much longer, O oh Lord, will you let me to be here? My enemies encompass me. They surround me. My couch is drowned with tears. How much longer, Lord? And I would journal. I would, in the midst of these binges, I would write. And I would say, God, say I was raised Catholic. I went to, to church every Sunday. My mom prayed, you know, the recited prayers. I went to religion classes. She did the best that she could. Boy, did she pray her heart out for me. Those prayers avail. See, I've been in Catholicism. I've been in non-denominational. I've been in Messianic. I've been in uh, the, the Charismatic. I've been in all of these things. And there's wonderful things in all of those places. We will not discount any of them, right? Amen. It is that relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship that I have with him. And that might look different from season to season as I grow, as I change, as I am sanctified. Listen, y'all, I don't look the same. I don't act the same that I did 14 years ago. The Lord brought this scripture to mind when I was thinking about that. Um, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus talks about uh, the new wineskins, are you guys familiar with that? So the verse says, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I'm talking about not looking like what I did 14 years ago. Now, did I have to change who I hung out with? 
Did I have to change where I went every night? Did I have to change what I ate? I did. I did. Because y'all know that what, yeah, that late night stuff after two days of not eating, you know, all of that. Going to church, going to AA, going to NA, uh, going to, I was in an inpatient, uh, intensive inpatient program, uh, and going to uh, the pregnancy center. So let let me back up to give you a bit of my journey of how I got to where I was. But I, I, want to, I want to hone in on that point right there. Y'all, we can't get healed. We can't get delivered. We can't get helped. We can't escape the bad if we continue to immerse ourselves in the bad. You keep going to the bar, or you keep going to that house, or you keep going to that girl's house, or that guy's house, or that place. Oh, I'm just going to be strong. No, leave it. Start coming to a church. Come to this group. Start going to uh, place, coffee shops during the day or places during the day that look different. If you want to look different, you've got to start changing what you're doing. Look around and, and surround yourself with people who you want to look like and act like. When you accept Jesus into your heart, you become new wine. Don't go trying to put that new wine back at bootleggers. I don't even know where people hang out here. I just threw that out there. Or wherever that may be, the house on the corner, where it goes down, meeting me in the club, it's going down. Everywhere we meet, but guaranteed to go down. Right? Everywhere I went, it went down. I'm telling you what. But I had to change those things. So here I was, 25 years old, conceived a baby from a paid encounter. An African-American man, addicted. My job is a bartender. I have so much debt. I've estranged myself from my parents, my sisters, and I'm pregnant. Now I had a friend tell me you should have an abortion. You won't have to face it. You won't have to change. I mean, really, on the outside, it looked like I was kind of living, you know, I was out partying. I was at the club of the clubs and the bottle service and the football players and, you know, this man and that man and running with the head honchos of the restaurant businesses and going to all these places. Yet inside, I was falling apart, decaying. I was a monster. Remember, I had been journaling for two years. God I do not know who you are or where you are, but I believe you're somewhere out there, and I hate this person that I am. Help me. Set me free. Y'all, he answered that prayer with a baby in my womb. As I said, I can't do this to the baby. And when that that friend said, have an abortion, shortly after that, there was a still small voice that whispered, keep the baby and you'll be blessed. I'll change your life. 
So I listened to that voice, and I was like, I am getting sober. I am quitting all of this. No more drinking, no more weed. Well, how long did that last? I think I actually did it for four weeks. And then reality. I mean, I fought real hard. And then I ended up doing shots and smoking weed again because I could not face the reality of who I had become on my own. I needed help. So I Googled pregnancy help centers. I was in St. Louis at the time, and uh, the Lord led me to a Christian pregnancy center called Thrive. And when I walked in those doors, hope greeted me. Faith reassured me. Love surrounded me. There was no judgment. I didn't have to measure up or own up or give anything so they would give me something. I went in that little room and sat down with the counselor, and she asked me if I was a Christian. And I said, well, yeah, I'm Catholic. I'm a Christian. She said, well, a Christian would be someone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And honestly, my first thought was, well, isn't he dead on the cross? Like, Going in the church as a child, I remembered seeing him, you know, hanging on the cross in the Catholic church. I didn't know what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I did those motions growing up, but I didn't do this motion. I didn't do the communication. I didn't read the word. I didn't seek him in prayer. So she said, Tricia, a relationship with Jesus Christ is you committing your life to him, giving your life to him, giving your heart to him, seeking him first in the bathroom. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It is seeking him first. And I thought, well, that's one relationship I've never tried. Guess it'll be worth a shot done everything else every man every woman every combination of man woman there is i've been there done that i haven't tried this thing with jesus christ so i left there that day and i wanted to go back as soon as i left i was like oh my gosh the hope that was there the encouragement was there everything that surrounded me i've got to go back there So I continued um, to go. Uh, My caseworker said, you know, I think you might have an abrupt, you know, there might be an addiction problem. I was like, I'm fine. I've got this. Well, she continued to encourage that, and I entered into an intensive outpatient program um, at Queen of Peace. I moved in with my younger sister, stopped living on my own, so I had safe housing. Um, And then with Thrive, I worked a very intense program there. Um, So I was going somewhere four to five days a week, well, maybe even up to six because I was doing AA as well. I was doing Queen of Peace, and I was doing Thrive and meeting with my sponsor. Y'all, I wanted free. I wanted free, and I wanted to work, and I was willing to do whatever it took. So when I would go to my meetings, whether it was with my counselor at Queen of Peace or my my caseworker at Thrive, like stuff would just come out. I mean, what what does the word say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us 
of all unrighteousness. So we confess. Yes, we confess to God, but it also says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Addiction is sickness. I'm just going to say it. We're sick. We're not well. We're at dis-ease. We're not at ease. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confession. Confession, confession, confession. So for me, it started with the outermost things. The relationships, the drugs, the alcohol, the behaviors. You know, every time I would go in, it would be something else coming out, coming off, coming off, coming off. It's like that onion, right? You're peeling those layers away. Now think about that outer shell that's the most difficult one to get out. Get off the, that crackly one. It's hard and it kind of crumbles and you have to pick it and you just want to slice the thing in half and just peel it off and get it off real quick. But then you lose like another layer and it just like always messes it up. So it's a little bit more tedious and a lot more work, and you have to have dedication to keep going at it. But you move, you remove those layers, you remove those layers, you keep going. And if you would just keep taking those layers of that onion off, what you're going to get to in the center is that very delicate piece that looks, I don't know if it's a seed, but it's very, it, it, it's like the innermost part. And we get to that root and we keep going, we keep confessing, and we forgive. We forgive others. We forgive ourselves. We extend forgiveness. I was writing letters after about a year and a half of going through the programs. I knew that I needed to, or my caseworker encouraged me to enter into an intense program for this, to target the sexual abuse. So I went through this book called On the, On the Threshold of Hope. Uh, with a counselor in a safe environment and relived those encounters, uh, sharing them, speaking them, forgiving them, writing letters to the men who hurt me, reading them to my parents when I, not many of them could I go to. There were a few that I, I, I would email. But I shared everything with my parents. My parents know the fullness of this testimony. They know that I was at the strip clubs. They know what I did in college in those dorms. They know the, they, it, they didn't know when I was living it what I was living. But I knew that that old was gone, the new had come and I was not going back there, so I'm gonna proclaim this. And you know how that thing starts falling away as we confess it, we speak it. I can shout this testimony from the rooftops. I was a harlot, now I'm a conquering queen running a full house. <laughs> By the blood of Jesus that has come through confession, that has come first, the relationship with Jesus Christ, and starting over at 25 years old, 70 plus partners, and saying, I'm committing to a life of purity from this point on. Purity in body and purity in spirit. I'm with you, Jesus. Lord, you're my father. Like, we're doing this thing. We're going. Starting over, recommitting, going, repent, repent. We turn from that lifestyle and we turn to him. 
through all of the uh, inpatient, the outpatient, the counseling, the therapies, you know, I was like, I am never getting married. <laughs> Y'all, never. I'll be mom and I'll be dad. God, we got this. Well, as I was going through all of the, the counseling, forgiving, confessing, moving in that process of sanctification from glory to glory, being changed, being made new. My heart began to heal, and I began to trust again, and I began to see uh, husbands and wives at my church, and I'm like, wow, like, that man is, like, really a man? And, like, he treats her like that? Like, there, you know, like, to see that. So I started to see that in a different way. And the Lord, uh, Holy Spirit said, pray for your husband. And I said, you got the wrong person. I said, I'm not getting married. <laughs> well, it kept coming up, and it kept coming up. And finally, I said, okay, Lord, if I'm getting married, if this is you, you have to orchestrate it. I want nothing to do with finding this man. You know where he is. You know where I am. You know this one who will see my story as beautiful, as redeemed, as restoration. You know the one who can take this child, this child who's never known a father, and love him as his own, and be daddy to him and husband to me. So I started praying that. I didn't realize I was praying for an arranged marriage. Orchestrated by the hand of God, arranged marriage. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. My son also began asking, where's my daddy? And I said, and he's two years old. He's never known a daddy. He's seen his cousins. And I said, God knows. And when your daddy's ready and when we're ready, he's going to cross our paths. He said, okay. <laughs> and he started praying for his daddy. God, bring me my daddy. You know where my daddy is. I got my daddy. I mean, at, at lunch and at, at breakfast and at bedtime, he's praying for his daddy. Well, God answered that prayer in a most miraculous way. Um, at a, a, an event in St. Louis, Aaron's parents were there, and I was there. Aaron was not there. And uh, when, we, when they saw me, his mom heard pray for Aaron's wife. And after them uh, talking to me briefly and coming back, I realized that these specific things, I had a pastor encourage me to, to pray for my husband, that he was an artist, he lived in an urban area, he was a spiritual leader, someone who I could submit to, uh, and I threw in this thing that he would be taller than me. And so at that, that weekend, Aaron's parents are standing there, and he, his dad is just telling me about his family and his son, who's an artist who lives in the urban part of Columbus. He's been their spiritual leader, and he's 6'7". I was like, dang. And my flesh was like, yeah, right. That dude's been on mission trips. He's done 40-day fasts. He's been all over the place. He's been in 24-hour prayers. And look at you, woman. What you got? So it was that battle of flesh and blood, yet at the end of it, we knew that we had been praying for each other. And after an incredible turn of events, uh, so that was in January, we were married April, uh, so four months later, and he is uh, father to our son. He is the only daddy that Nehemiah has ever known. 
Uh, we lived out an incredible uh, Hebrew betrothal, like what a, a marriage would have looked like at the time that Jesus was on there. So we had an, a wedding at an unknown hour. I didn't know the day or the hour. I just came out here on the weekend of April 8th. At the sound of the shofar, I knew my bridegroom would be here in 20 minutes. He paid my bride price. Do these things sound familiar? He sent out oil lamps. We had to have our oil ready. He came in a Rolls Royce cloud. <laughs> it was beautiful. So I'm going to start wrapping this up, guys. What I want you to know. I have a ton of scriptures here. See, when I, when I, I feel like when I speak this testimony, it just is... You know, the scripture, scriptures are just in there. You know, it's just like getting it out there. The scriptures are, are woven into it, right? But I wanted to specifically hone in on these. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Y'all can see that that path that I was on was destructive and dead-end, and what did the Lord do? He turned it around and used it for my good and for his glory. Do you see how we worked that together? So I can stand here tonight and say, Beloved, you are worth it. And you can do this. You can overcome this. You can conquer this. You can slay this thing. You can come out from under it and tread on that thing. You are not meant to be tread upon. You are meant to tread on. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord through prayer through his word, through fellowship, through being around, like, uh, around believers, being around people whom you want your life to, to go in that direction. Of course, you don't want, you can't be that person. You have to be you. I don't want to be any of y'all. I want to be me. And all y'all got to be you. Because there is no other of any of us. We've got to be that one that he created us to be, for we are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he hath prepared in advance that we should do. He knows what he's called us to do. And even if we've screwed it up, remember, he works all things for good for his glory. He works them all. So he's going to take that mess and he's going to put it back together and you're going to come out like, Bam. And I love, love, love Psalm 139. Of course, it talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I love the New Living Translation. Your workmanship is marvelous. He says you all are marvelous, every one of you. We are marvelous. We are his workmanship. You watched me as I was being formed in the utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was even born. Now, this is what I love, guys. Listen, listen. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Y'all can't hide anything from him. 
He knows. So you might as well give it to him. He went to that cross for every transgression. The Lord gave me a picture of, of Jesus as he's up there. He's like this magnet. He's like this magnet. He's like, I laid down my life. While they were yet sinners, I laid my life down for them. Everything that they have done, all of those transgressions, all of those sins, they're rightfully mine. I paid for them, but they've got to let them go. I'm up here as this magnet, and I just want them to come to me, but they're not letting go. So how do we let go? Confession. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, to purify us from all unrighteousness. Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future and trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him. Seek first the kingdom of God as in the bathroom in there. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And even if you mess up, get back up. Doesn't mean you have to stay down. The enemy will tell you otherwise. There's an enemy of your soul. You learn to hear the voice of God, and you learn what the voice of the enemy sounds like, looks like, and you say, no, 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 not today, Satan. Get behind me. Hell lost another one. And he lo hell lost how many? I don't know how many of y'all are here tonight. But there has been a transition from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. A bunch of warriors for the kingdom of God in this room. Out to fight battles and do mighty exploits for God. Walk in his ways. That life. is nothing but a dead end. His life is forever. His ways are forever. His kingdom is forever. I bless you all. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Grant you favor and give you shalom, peace that transcends all understanding.